Hello, and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast, where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. Today, we have a very special bonus episode for you. This episode, I'll be discussing Netflix 2021 Western drama, The Power of the Dog, directed by Jane Champion. It stars Benedict Cumberbatch, Kirsten Dunst, Jesse Plemons, and Cody Smith-McPhee. I am Jesse, and I am rolling solo today to fill you in on this brand new release on Netflix. Obviously, it's uh, been in cinemas prior to that, but I'm going to go into a little bit of detail about this film. So if this is one of those films that's on your watch list, make sure you give us a pause now because I'm going to spoil it. I'll do my best to keep it um, not too spoilery, but um, I'm going to mention a few things that you probably don't want to know if you wanted to check this film out. So make sure you come back and have a listen. But I'm going to get into this and talk about my fast flicks where we do a quick summary about what the film is all about. And for me, The Power of the Dog is about two wealthy brothers' relationship, and this comes under strain when a love interest and her son enter the picture. Hopefully that's a good setup for you, and you're ready to roll if you're still with me. You probably know that that's what this is all about anyway, but I'm going to talk a little bit about how this film sort of came together, and what it's all about, I guess, and and where it was filmed, and, and how Netflix ended up making it one of their own originals. So this is based on a novel from 1967, uh, written by Thomas Savage, and same name, um, and then Jane Campion, who is a very, very famous New Zealand uh, director, uh, announced in May of 2019 that she was going to write and direct the film with Benedict Cumberbatch and Elizabeth Moss um, starring this. Paul Dano then also entered negotiations to join the film, um, and then Kirsten Dunst was put in there to replace Moss in the role, and Dano also dropped out due to scheduling conflicts with the Batman, so Jesse Plemons was put in there to replace him. And I guess um, we head to the filming stage where in New Zealand, um, started 2020 in January, they started filming in the southern area of Otago, um, including Dunedin, which is a lovely city if uh, you have been there before. So unfortunately, as we've seen with a lot of recent films, production was halted uh, because of COVID and the pandemic and border restrictions and lockdowns, etc., etc. So it was reported that the, the main cast, Cumberbatch, Dunstan, Plemons, stayed in New Zealand during the lockdown. Um, the rest of the cast and crew were given exemptions to come back to New Zealand um, in June of 2020. So about six months later, and then... Um, yeah, they got going and got it all done. I think one of the the only films around the world that was uh, able to continue during this pandemic because of the lockdown and, and how it worked in New Zealand and they were able to live pretty COVID-free for quite a long time. Um, the film was meant to premiere at the 2021 Cannes Film Festival in France um, in an out-of-competition slot. Um, and, and if you've listened to any of our shows before, you, you'd understand the issues that Netflix uh, do have with France because France have a, a big issue with streaming services and they have a, a huge um, time delay if, if you do release in theaters before you can put it on streaming. So Netflix sort of said, nah, we're not putting up with that. So they, they pulled the film and um, instead it, it premiered at the, the Venice Film Festival um, in September of 2021, had a special presentation as well at the Toronto or TIFF, Telluride, um, and a variety of other festivals across the world, um, as well as a small release as well across lots of places. Um, the, the film, I guess, um, if we're talking about these releases, USA, UK from the 17th of November, 2021, um, and then also across Australia and New Zealand from the 11th of November before hitting Netflix on the 1st of December, 2021. 
Um, some facts, I guess, or some interesting stories about the production of this one. And I think that um, Benedict Cumberbatch, he has an excellent performance in this film. And to get into the character of Phil that he was playing, he he didn't wash for almost two weeks um, during the shoot. And he also started chain smoking. And although um, Cumberbatch had smoked in his life before, um, he, he also he started getting quite sick uh, from these rolled up cigarettes trying to be a part of the character. And I um, mean, he got nicotine poisoning quite a couple of times while filming. So really uh, quite a lot of dedication from Benedict in this role. Um, and I think, you know, the, if, you, if you've seen him in Sherlock or, or Doctor Strange, you, you know the, the commitment level that he does bring to the characters that he plays. The the translations for this one around the world for the power of the dog. So some interesting ones, I guess in Croatia, Poland, and Serbia, it's called dog paws in Hungary. It's called between the dog's claws. And in the United Arab Emirates, it's called dog strength. And I think, um, it's really important to, as a theme of this film, that idea of, of what the dog actually means. And, um, I'll probably touch on that in some scenes a little bit later on. Um, I guess as well to, to touch on, we mentioned that this was filmed in and around New Zealand and it did have a theatrical release. And as of recording at the start of December, just a, a day after the release on Netflix, it had taken about 160,000 US dollars at the box office across the world. It was budgeted at about 30 to $40 million. So quite a decent budget for a, a Netflix film, I guess, and a nice little sort of indie style film. Um, nominations wise i mean i think that most people would have heard the buzz around this film and, and are expecting it to do quite well for the academy awards which are coming up early next year so far just across the board it's got 17 nominations um for a variety of awards categories i think the the biggest one that we should mention is that jane um campion won the best director at the venice film festival for this film so quite an impressive um impressive feat i guess for this film so far um Consensus. So if we looked at how people are, are looking at this film early on, and we start with Rotten Tomatoes, the, the critic central or, or the one that most people, the, the general public look at for whether a film's good or not. And currently from critics, it sits at 95% on 203 reviews. So quite a lot of critics. This is certified fresh, um, sitting there very nicely on Rotten Tomatoes. The audience likes it too on there at 75% on over 100 reviews. Then we look at the, the user-friendly sort of uh, applications that you can find on the net. So IMDb sits on a 7 out of 10, which is quite high on about 7,500 ratings. And then we looked at Letterboxd as well, and Letterboxd has it at a 3.8 out of 5, which is extremely high. And that's on about 17,500 reviews. Um, obviously, early days. Um, it's only been on Netflix for about 24 hours and obviously a small limited theatrical release. So expect these numbers to, to change quite a bit, and they probably are different already from while you're listening to this episode. Uh, and that will lead me into my early thoughts for this film. And I think that I need to touch on on the performances in this and, and the visuals that you do see. These are stunning and, and the performances, they're, they're just top notch. I, th I know that genre wise, if you, you know, a lot of people categorize films in, in genre and, and as a marketing point of view, this is promoted as a Western. And I'm going to argue against that a little bit because I think not necessarily in a negative way, but I think it's a good marketing plot to, or a ploy to get people to really think about what a Western is and what a Western stands for and how this romantic idea of you know the 50s and 60s with so many Westerns coming out and, and how different this is to 
what a lot of us probably see as a true Western. Um, and I think that this leads the audience onto a path of discovery and, and I didn't see the end coming and so far I haven't spoiled anything, but as I start talking a bit more about the characters and, and some scenes in this film, I think I'm probably going to touch on a few things. So this is your last chance. <laughs> if you haven't seen this film and you want to remain as spoiler free as possible, give us a pause now because I'm going to jump into the characters. We start off with Phil for this one. So Phil, um, played by Benedict Cumberbatch. He's the manager of this ranch and he starts off, he is so cruel to, to most people. His, his brother, um, his brother's wife, Rose, and her son, Peter. And he, this is all done through, he has this ad, adoration, I guess, admiration, adoration for Bronco Henry, who is this, uh, you know, rancher who, who he looked up to and sort of models his life on his mentor. And he... This guy, or this this symbolism of this guy is who he wants to be. And as we learn throughout the film, this is probably based on a relationship that he had with him that was more than plutonic. And the relationship probably leads to his harshness towards Peter because the idea of his um, personality being quite inhumane, I guess, he he's living this lie um, throughout this film. And the only time that he feels free is when he's naked in the water thinking about his relationship or his... his um, idolization of Bronco Henry and I'm, I'm not sure if it's because he sees himself in and I'm not haven't spoken about Peter yet but I feel like he might see himself in Peter and um, I'm not sure whether we see a full transformation or, of a character of Peter of uh, Phil because we're spoken about Phil and and how he, he's a very cruel sort of character um, but I'm thinking that this idea through him is that maybe he wants Peter to himself um, and and there's this theme of him creating this rope for Peter and I think that um, you can almost see the humanity in him and this is seen through a reveal too with Peter seeing things or seeing this this vision of a dog in the mountains or this 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 picture of a dog in the mountains as well so it's almost like we see this this small transformation but as I've sort of mentioned I'm not 100% sure that we could classify Phil as a good guy or a character who's actually changed because He's very um, egotistic and, and very much everything that he does is for his own benefit or to bring others down. And I guess that, that can lead me into his brother, George, who is the, is the younger brother. And, you know, he's often referred to as like fat and dumb and lonely. And it's played by Jesse Plemons. It's a, it's a very sad character because we, we do see him marry Rose very abruptly. And this frustrates Phil, his brother. And um, even though Phil is very mean to George, I get the feeling that he would do anything for his brother. And, and the idea that there's someone there now who's going to come between him and his brother really upsets him. So in Phil's mind, it's like he needs to do everything he possibly can to, to make life a living hell for Rose, who I'll lead into now is obviously the the mother of Peter, which I've mentioned about earlier, um, and also the, the wife of George. And, and she's this widow, um, with, with his son, Peter, and the idea that she hates booze or alcohol because of her husband's troubles with it. And then we obviously see throughout this film that she's led down that same path. And, and the reason for that is because of Phil and his nastiness and his inability to, to show any kindness to anyone, I guess. Um, with Rose, you know, you've got this idea that in the past, she's had such a, a joyous life. She's, she's played the piano at the movies and we sort of see that... Um, the loss of that talent throughout or the ability to, to play the piano. Um, and 
it's whether that's through the grief of losing her husband or the, the more likely the, the complete and utter fear that Phil installs in her through the intimidation that he brings throughout the house and his constant watching and observing and, and this whistle that um, once you see this film, you understand what I'm talking about, that this whistle that just creates such tension and fear. Um, and, and that leads me to her son, Peter, which I've, I've briefly touched on already. And the idea that he's this social outcast and that gives Phil a reason throughout the beginning to, to be quite, quite cruel towards him. Um, you know, Phil's this, this kid that, sorry, not Phil, Peter is this kid that wants to be a surgeon and he's quite happy in who he is. He's happy to make flowers out of paper and um, still mourning the loss of his father as well. And he constantly cops homophobic comments um, from a majority of the characters throughout this film, especially Phil. Um, and, you know, he's too scared to bring a friend home because of Phil. And I think that he stays extremely strong and, and is possibly, uh, as we lead into the themes very soon of this film, I think that Phil, uh, sorry, I keep saying Phil, the two names that start with P, but Peter, the son, I think he's probably the most manly character in this film. He, he stands his ground. He, he isn't afraid of emotions. He's smart. He's cunning. And he gets what he wants through manipulation. Um, and the idea that he's aware of his mother's decline and he's happy to take this into his own hands is, is a very strong trait um, and able to overcome that um, disgusting mindset that Phil has, I guess. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, I've already spoken about characters for quite a bit. So I'll talk a little bit now about Jane Campion. Um, I'm sure most people listening to this would, would understand that she is an excellent director and has in excess of 20 directing credits and most people would know that the biggest um, film that she's done is The Piano from 1993 I think it was Anna Paquin who most of you would probably know from True Blood um, got a start very young there um, you know she was very young in that film uh, most recent work is the miniseries that went from 2013 to 2017 Top of the Lake so if you want to check some of her work out if you've enjoyed this highly recommend um, jumping on to to see some of her other work and that will take me into the idea of some of the scenes that I enjoyed in this film. And this is another reminder that I'm gonna spoil stuff right now because um, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna talk about the, the opening scene. So if you haven't seen this film, stop now. Okay, that's about the third time I've given you that warning. So it's not my fault now, but the on reflection, the opening scene is just so powerful because there's this voiceover from Peter saying that he would do anything for his mother's happiness and to save her. And this is such a clever technique to start the film off with because you hear that at the start and then you sort of put it in the back of your mind and don't worry about it. But when you look back and you look through this whole film and you look at the end, it just makes so much sense. So I'm putting that in there as something that I really enjoyed. Um, leading onwards, the, towards the start, you see Phil, as I've mentioned, not a nice guy. And he, you know, Peter's put all this effort into making these paper flowers and he uses... Phil uses one of these paper flowers to light his sort of smoke and it sort of starts this hatred off for this character as the audience, um, followed by this scene where he sort of has this bellowing voice where he gets the guy who's playing the piano to stop and just sort of sets up and going, this is not a nice guy. So really well done to, to create that hatred straight away. Um, the other things I'm going to talk about, just little things throughout the film, Phil's whistling, I'm just going to put that there because it is haunting almost. And I think if you've seen the trailer or, or heard sound bites from this, you've probably heard that whistle as well as the rest of the soundtrack, which is so impactful and creates such mood throughout this film as well. Um, there's a scene where Phil is down at the river with this cloth and 
um, you know, like I mentioned before, the idea that Phil uses the river and and this place to sort of cleanse and and be himself because he's got this little stash down there as well of of some porno magazines, um, male porno magazines. And I think that this cloth through my interpretation is that it's probably something that was Henry's. um, And, you know, I've spoken about how he looked up to this Henry guy and, and he holds this cloth so dear to himself. And it's his idea of escaping, you know, this world where he's such a dominating force to just go to this relaxing, quiet place and and be close to this man, Henry, who played such an important role in his life and and hold that cloth and be reminded of that relationship. So I enjoyed that scene. I, um, I'm going to talk about some other scenes. So there's a scene, um, there's this reveal of, of Peter and he catches a rabbit and the reveal of what he does with this rabbit. It sounds really weird talking about Peter and a rabbit because uh, those that are probably from the UK or or uh, Australia will probably know the story of Peter Rabbit and, and such an icon that Peter Rabbit is. So just the idea of Peter's name and a rabbit, it's just funny anyway. Um, Peter uses this comb throughout. I'm not gonna say much about that, but those the, the idea of him flicking that comb just stays in my mind. Um, towards the end too, there's this, like, this scene where Rose um, sort of sees, well, there, there's this group of Indians that are traveling through and want to purchase the hides of these animals. And she takes this as an opportunity to get back at Phil and she sells them for some gloves. And I just like the idea that even though she's so down and out, she's so petrified by this guy, she's so absorbed in drinking and you know, not being able to function that she still manages to make this decision and go, this is a good chance for me to get back at him. That was really cool. And I'll say the final scene, I think the final few scenes or the final few shots of the reveal, really well done. Um, Like I mentioned, I I didn't really pick that reveal, so I'm not going to say exactly what the reveal was, but I thought it was really well done. Um, So if you're still with me, thank you for being here because I think that um, most of you would probably agree with that. there's not much in, there's nothing really in this film that, that I didn't like because I think as you can probably tell from the way I'm speaking, this was really good. Um, and that'll lead me into some themes or some ideas in this one that you can talk about. And there's, there's heaps in this. And I think the, the big idea in this is this idea through Phil of almost toxic masculinity. Um, this idea that he's the man, he's, the, he's in charge of the ranch. He tells all the guys around the ranch what to do, making all the decisions, and he's very homophobic, um, which it's a it's definitely a commentary on this idea of what a macho male is and how that can often be seen through that. And I think it almost makes this film an anti-Western. And as I mentioned before, I, I think um, I wouldn't I wouldn't classify this as a Western. It's set you know you know on ranches. It's set in Montana, even though it's filmed in New Zealand. And this idea that you know, what does make a man? Um, is it patience and overcoming the odds or is it moving obstacles? And we see this clash almost towards the end through Peter and through Phil that there are different ideas and different views on masculinity and and the way that Phil acts through his aggression um, isn't necessarily the right way that we want to see masculinity. Um, there's nothing wrong with masculinity, but it's that idea of masculinity being enforcing. You can still be a male and be proud of those traits, but not do it in such a uh, an over-the-top way. Um, and and that's seen through Phil as well. He's got this repressed desire that he doesn't share. You know, he like I mentioned, he is homophobic, but he's got this desire that he's not willing to confront or talk about. Um, and I guess through Peter, he, he possibly sees that idea that, um, you know, this is, this is Peter and how he is, and I'm happy to, to put 
you know, put him down all the time, but that's how he's feeling inside as well. So it's that conflict as well. Um, and like I mentioned, the, these two brothers, um, you've got George and you've got Phil, they're living the American dream. They're rich. They're, they're doing well. Um, George is able to get a wife. Phil is commanding out on the ranch. So what is this American dream? Is it that you've got money and you're able to buy what you want to do, but in the same stance, Phil's happy to stay in the stables. He's happy to only wash every now and then. So what is this American dream? Um, is it more about relationships and being nice to people, but we don't see that through Phil. And, and like I mentioned before, I'm not hundred percent sold that he makes that progression. Um, as well through Rose, we see this idea of loneliness too, even though she's, she, well, she's lost her husband, she's remarried and it's a great start. Um, her and George together, she does feel isolated and this is done through Phil and, um, you know, she leads down that path of substance abuse and, um, it's a really tricky situation. And especially I remember back in high school, I think it was like year 11, we, we studied this book called Montana 1948. And, um, you know, that idea of, of isolation is, is such a big thing through the locations in this film. Um, finally, I just, just a little bit on sexuality too. Um, Rose is able to to highlight, and you know, this is through her son. Her son constantly pumps her up and tells her, you're such a, an attractive lady. Um, but what is that What is that sexuality worth if she's bought, being so, or feeling so brought under by Phil and, and his derogatory comments and his intimidation? Um, and that's where we see um, Peter, who, who doesn't necessarily have that macho uh, idea that we see through Phil that he's he's happy to be who he is, and I really enjoyed that. Um, and that'll that'll lead me into what I took away from this film. And I think the the really big thing here is that New Zealand is amazing. <laughs> if if you look at the scenery in this film, you you wouldn't really know that this wasn't shot in America. Like there are so many different environments in New Zealand. They've got such great coasts. They've got such great wilderness. And you know you've seen Lord of the Rings films. You understand the green, luscious areas. And I mean, just get on board if you once once the world's a little bit more normal, go check it out. Um, it's just such a wondrous place. So I'm I'm very fortunate that my wife is a Kiwi and I've been there many times and. I'm, Due to the current situations, I haven't been able to get there uh, in the last couple of years, but we're hanging out to get there. So if you can get there, the last thing I'll put in here too is the idea that we see a piano in this film. Just a really cool Jane, uh, Jane Champion connection uh, if you've seen the piano as well. And I think it's uh, time for me to wrap this one up and put it up my thoughts all together. I hope I haven't rambled on too much, but I think that this was so well made. It was really engaging. The performances were great. And there was so much to say on, on masculinity from a female director that I really appreciated. I think setting this in the 1920s and releasing it in 2021 highlights a lot and what society struggles with still in the world today and what these ideas are, are supposed to look like. I think that if you can get out there and see this in a cinema, I, I really wish I had the, had done that. Um, it, it's great to be able to sit in the comfort of your own home and watch it, but I think this is gonna have a lot of awards buzz um, early next year. So get onto this before it sort of becomes that film that everyone's talking about all the time. I'm giving this a four and a half out of five. So do go check this out. Highly recommended by me. We have social media. We've got Twitter, we've got Facebook and Instagram. We're on there all the time. This is obviously early December. Christmas is around the corner. We've got a countdown to Christmas on there too. So if you want to check that out, do. If you're listening to this later on in time, Christmas is gone. So maybe Christmas 2022 is closer, but social media, I want to put out there, 
based on what I've talked about, do you think that this is a Western film or should be classified under the genre of a Western? Keen to hear your thoughts. I don't think we should classify this as a Western, but like I mentioned, maybe it's a good marketing ploy to get people to actually think about what a Western is because obviously the 1950s and, and 1960s Western films, are, they've got these strong male characters that you just look at and say they're strong, they fight, they use guns. This is not that type of film. So um, thoroughly enjoyed this film. If you are interested in Netflix original films, I highly recommend jumping online and doing a Google search just for any Netflix original because there's a chance that we've probably done an episode on it. We've got about 180 episodes done already. There's heaps there to check out. So do do a search for Flix Forum. Give us a listen if you can. And finally, if you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a nice five-star rating. Leave a comment just so that helps other people find us too. As always... Thank you for hanging around. Thank you for listening. I hope this has given you a little bit of insight into this film. I thoroughly enjoyed it and I hope you do too.